We're all searching for it, or people. The ones you can call when you're at the end of your rope. The ones you ask for advice in a difficult stage or deciding on which jeans to buy. The ones who you share dreams and hopes with, who get you to the gym, and love your kids like their own. Motherhood was never meant to be a solitary role, and now it doesn't need to be. Here we discuss everything from our favorite kidisms, to mental wellness, to our best mom hacks and more. Mamas are world changers, and it's time to stop bearing that responsibility alone. So whether you're driving carpool, rocking a sleeping baby, or doing dishes, we're here for you. Welcome to the village. Hello, welcome to episode six of the Village Podcast. I'm your host, Missy Allred. Today, we are going to be talking about sensory input with your kids and specifically talking about sensory seekers and sensory avoiders. So obviously, you know your five senses. You have sight, sound, taste, touch, and smell. And while I will be specifically talking about what this looks like with your young kids, the same is true in adults. Probably I'll do a podcast episode about that too. But be aware of where you fit in if you are more of a sensory seeker or a sensory avoider. You'll probably see yourself at least a little bit in these. Let's start with sensory avoiders. So if you have a sensory avoider, this is probably going to look like shutting down and getting agitated when things don't go their way or when they're stressed or disappointed, when they have those big emotions, no matter where they came from, this is probably a little bit more how they're going to act out or just kind of throughout the day, you'll see them start to get more and more agitated. For example, I actually have one sensory seeker and one sensory avoider. So my sensory avoider at bedtime, he tends to be the one that is throwing tantrums and throwing himself on the ground and just totally shutting down. I'll go more in depth to sensory seekers in a minute, but just to kind of give you a comparison, my sensory seeker starts bouncing off the walls and jumping and climbing and swinging and just goes a little bit crazy at bedtime. So a good way to tell the difference is to look at those harder times of day, which is your kid moving towards. So those sensory avoiders are going to be more of your tantrum kids. Not that the other ones won't, but they're going to be more the ones that are throwing themselves on the ground. So with your sensory avoiders, the goal is to present them with less stimuli. So think about how much information is coming to your brain at any time. I just want you to look up from whatever you're doing and just look around and really think about all the things that you see. So for example, I am sitting here in my closet and staring at my clothes and I see every single texture and every single pattern and every single color and then there's my husband's stuff and then there's laundry baskets and all these shoes and so many different things. And I see the texture on the wall. I see my yoga mat that has some texture on it. I see my carpet that has texture. I see all the texture on every single piece of clothing that's slightly different. And my legs are touching a few different pieces of clothing. And if I sit and think about all of the different senses that my body's feeling, the clothes on me, the ground underneath me, 
And when you really start thinking about it, there is so much information that is coming into our brain all at once. Luckily, our brain has a filter that can let the important things through and discard the things that don't matter because truthfully, every single texture and color and pattern and all the different things in my closet don't really matter. When I'm looking for them, then it matters. So our our brain is really cool that way where it can filter out. So this is why when you get a new car, all of a sudden you see that car everywhere you go because you have now told your brain this piece of information is important and it will now let that information through so you'll see it all over on the roads. So our brain has this filter, but sometimes the things that we deem important There's so much of it at once that our brain gets overwhelmed. This is actually what's happening when we get overstimulated is there's too much information coming through our brain at once that we don't have the capacity to filter it and process it and do with the information that we need to. This is why you get overstimulated. This is why your kids get overstimulated. So often these sensory avoiders are really just overstimulated and they need less stimuli, but especially with young kids, they don't know how to do that. So some ideas of things you can do is just to start with a hug. When they are feeling these really big emotions, start with a hug. Not only does that help them feel loved, like we talked about last week with love languages, but it also is a nervous system regulation technique because It tells our body that it's safe. So if you remember back to episodes two and three, our brain and body are trying to keep us safe and a body at rest cannot be stressed. And so if we can relax our body, it will tell our brain, okay, you're safe. It will calm your brain down and you can go back to a more regulated, calm, rational state. The same thing happens with our kids. So giving them that hug calms their body and it lets them focus on one stimuli. It gives them a little extra dose of love. It's a lot of things. It's really helpful. That has been my number one tool for my sensory avoider son is when he's upset, I ask him if he wants a hug and I start with that before I do anything else because I cannot talk to a little kid who is completely irrational and freaking out. It just doesn't work. So if I can get him back to a calm state, that helps a lot. A few other ways to decrease the stimuli for your sensory avoiders is headphones or soft music because again, it will kind of block out that other sound or a sound machine even will work here. Having them sit in a fort or like a play tent will block out some of the noise stimuli too, but specifically the visual stimuli. There's a lot less to look at, a lot less to take in. And then if you're an oils person, some calming oils are also helpful because we are using the senses in a way that is calming instead of overstimulating. So we're using those olfactory senses when we diffuse oils. As an example, when my son gets overstimulated I like to send him into his little pop-up play tent with a blanket and a book 
and he will just sit in there and he will come back out a different kid. <laughs> he is so much more calm. I will, if he's really overstimulated, I'll, I will start with that long, tight hug and wait for him to end it. Sometimes he's only there for a few seconds and sometimes he's there for a couple minutes. But that's actually a really good way to teach your kids to understand how to listen to their bodies because he always will let go at some point and stand up more calm and regulated and able to talk through things. And so he's starting to recognize, okay, if I hug mom, I need this long. Okay, now I'm listening to my body. I'm feeling good now and I can move on with my day. It's been really fun to watch him. So with the hug and then going into a place where he can unwind and take in less stimuli for a few minutes so he can come back out and be ready for the barrage of <laughs> of stimuli that is normal life. So on the opposite hand, we have our sensory seekers. And like I said, these are the kids that are bouncing off the walls at bedtime and you're like, I know you're tired. <laughs> How is it that you have this much energy? And it's because they need extra stimuli to actually calm their nervous system. If you remember back again to those nervous system regulation episodes, if you haven't listened to those, <laughs> those would be a really good place to start. It'll give you a little bit more context for this episode. But if you remember back to those, we talked about how exercise is one of the best ways that we can move through our stress cycle. So it puts us in a state of stress and then naturally moves us back to a state of rest. This is kind of what these sensory seeking kids need is a way to let out that steam and come back to a rested state. So if you have kids that are climbing the beds and jumping off all the time at bedtime, they need a little extra stimulation before they go to bed. That is going to be the way to calm them down. So some other examples of this is making sure that these kids have plenty of active time as much as possible. These are the kids that are outdoors all the time playing and running and jumping especially during the warm months I know those winter months can be really hard and I actually have a guide coming that is full of indoor activities for these kids where you feel like you're going crazy because it's winter and even when you go outside you don't last as long and they need a little bit more this is for you. It's coming really soon, so keep an eye out for that. But some other things that they can do if you aren't getting outside at all or not as much is rough and tumble play. You can create obstacle courses out of whatever you have at home. Use your dining room chairs, use pillows, use paper plates, use cups. Whatever you have will work. The guide will actually have a lot of ideas on these obstacle courses too. So again, stay tuned for that. We have done a lot of animal walks at our house. So crab walks or bear crawls or snake slithers, or I've had my kids come up with some. My favorite was my four-year-old decided to do, we had just been to the aquarium earlier that day. And so he did a stingray slide or something like that. I don't even remember exactly what he did, but he totally came up with his own thing and was so proud of it. So let them be creative and come up with their own animal walks. You can have them push, pull, or carry heavy things, whether that's a stack of books or pushing around a box with 
some heavy toys or books in it or having their siblings sitting on a blanket and pull them around on the blanket or having toys on a blanket. But that little bit of effort with the weight is what's really going to make the difference. Light things will work, but if they can put in that extra bit of effort is when you'll start seeing a more noticeable difference. Another thing we love at our house is if you search on YouTube brain breaks, there are so many videos and my kids love the Mario one. So it looks like a Mario game, but from like the player's perspective. And so they run and jump and duck and it's really fun for them. My kids love that because they're getting screen time, but they come back a lot more regulated because they're getting that energy out and able to kind of move through their natural stress cycle and come back to a calmer place. And then finally, just notice what your kids are already doing. The other day, I found my kids jumping down the stairs into a pile of pillows and cushions and blankets they had made. And my first instinct was actually to stop them and be like, what are you doing? And go put everything away. And then I realized that this was like the best sensory input for them. And so I just let them keep jumping for a while. So notice the things that your kids are already doing, that sensory input that they're already seeking and see what you can say yes to. And do it in a way that is within your boundaries because maybe it's not the time or those aren't the pillows that you want them using, which is totally fine. But they're already trying to figure these things out. They're trying to calm their nervous systems. They don't realize that's what it is. But notice what they're doing and say yes as much as you can. Like I said, my natural instinct is usually to tell them no. My oldest son loves to swing on his bed and I want to tell him no. And when I really think about it, it's fine. (laughs) It's maybe not fine in the middle of trying to say prayers or read scriptures as a family but before that or after that it is fine so setting those clear boundaries with your kids things that work with your boundaries and your family's boundaries but also saying yes yes but right yes you can totally do that but let's wait until after we're done with this or yep you can do this for three minutes and then it's time to come sit down your kids are telling you what they need if you have the eyes to see it and that takes some patience and some practice but as you do I think you'll start to see okay my kid is definitely a sensory seeker my kid is definitely a sensory avoider and then we can help them through those big emotions and help them through their little stress cycles that they don't know what's going on and help them move through that to a calmer place because then they have the tools to do it on their own they understand oh I need to move I'm feeling really stressed or I'm feeling frustrated I need to move my body or I'm feeling stressed or I'm feeling frustrated I need to go take some time to myself to calm down in a quiet place as you do this more and more you'll start to notice that your kids will do it on their own my three-year-old has gotten better at coming and saying mom I just need a hug Usually I still have to say, okay, do you need a hug first before we talk about this? But more and more often he's said, I just need to snuggle you or I I just need a love for a minute. And it's so cool to see that they really 
do catch on. They really are listening. The more we practice, the easier it is for us and for them. So I hope this was helpful and you are starting to see maybe where your kids fit in and have some ideas of some activities you could do either to increase your, the stimuli for your kids or decrease the stimuli, whichever they need to come back to that calm, regulated state. Last thing is magic in the mundane. So this week I kind of had this epiphany. If you saw my Instagram, then you probably saw this reel that I posted about how I've been feeling this nudge that I need to let my kids do things more on their own. And I have been fighting it because if you have kids, you know that once you involve them in cooking or cleaning or most daily life tasks, it takes longer. (laughs) And I just didn't feel like I had the patience for that. But I kept coming back to this of I need to let them help. I need to teach them these things. I want them to know these things. And I saw a reel that was this like two and a half year old making his own scrambled eggs all by himself. His mom was sitting there watching, but he did it all by himself. And my kids are almost five and three and a half. And I was like, they can do this. And so I sat down with them yesterday and my three and a half year old loves quesadillas. And so I taught him how to make a quesadilla and my four-year-old wanted scrambled eggs. And so I taught him to make scrambled eggs. And then this morning, as soon as I walked in the door from the gym, he was like, mom, I want to make scrambled eggs again. I'm like, okay, let's do it. And it was just so cool to see that they are so capable. And even just from the first time to the second time making eggs with my four-year-old, he was so much more confident. He knew what to do. He wasn't quite as, he was still cautious with the stove, but he was more confident and wasn't freaking out about it like he was the first time. It was just so cool to see their confidence grow and see that they really do have these skills if we will give them the time and attention to develop them. And it was just super special and fun that he went and asked for more time. I hope you enjoyed this episode and found a few takeaways that you can implement. As always, I want this to be something where you feel empowered to do 1% better. This is not a change everything you're doing because you are doing great. And I hope you find some tools here that make life a little bit easier and help you enjoy motherhood a little bit more and enjoy the season you're in with your kids and have the tools to be able to teach them so that they have these tools for the rest of their life. Thanks so much for listening. I will talk to you next week. Thanks for joining me on this week's episode. I would love to hear your thoughts on it. So message me on Instagram at the Missy Allred. There is always room in our village. So if you enjoyed it, will you please send it to a friend or leave a rating and review? Make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss the next episode. Thank you for being here. I'll talk to you next week.